0: Hello, welcome to the Human Systems Dynamics Patterns and Possibilities Podcast. I'm your host, Ms. Handy, and I have the distinct honor and pleasure of sharing human systems dynamics theory and how we can apply it in our personal and professional lives. I'm also going to highlight some of the wicked patterns that often show up in the world, in our workplaces our homes, relationships, neighborhoods, and communities. We appreciate you joining us with your curious minds. And in this episode, we're going to talk about a subject that we hope you will find as interesting as we do. And that episode starts right now. One of my favorite things to see, understand, and influence is the pattern of engagement. Now, I'm not talking about engagement in terms of marriage. I'm talking about other types of engagement that we often hear about, like employee engagement, community engagement, resident engagement, And then there's also another type of engagement that we can choose to indulge in or not in our personal lives. About five years ago, I was asked to help improve employee engagement in an environment where it was extremely low. No matter what type of engagement we focus on, the goal is always to make it as high as possible. And all of that makes sense. Human systems dynamics has identified a more expansive way of looking at engagement that focuses on a pattern that is generative. But what does it mean to be generative? Generative engagement is something that occurs over and over again where it reproduces. It creates that fertile ground that allows engagement to happen no matter who is involved, no matter what the project is, or what the environment is like. In order for that generative engagement to occur, three things have to be in place. And that is identity, voice, and power. Speaking of power, that is part of today's topic, which is generative engagement, balance of power. It is the title of a blog written by Royce Holliday and Mary Nations, two of the HSD thought leaders in July 2017. The subject of power is debated every day around the world. And I think that's probably why Royce and Mary decided to speak about it in their blog. According to Royce and Mary, a critical capacity that ensures generative engagement is a deep understanding of power from an HSD perspective. In HSD, we talk about power with, rather than power over, to describe generative relationships. Power is balanced, meaning that the ability to influence is balanced against willingness to be influenced. Do those who wield influence in the system Listen to and consider perspectives of those who have less influence. Do those who traditionally have less influence in the system believe their voices can and will be heard? In generative systems, this balance where power is shared across the system sets conditions for patterns of authenticity, reciprocity, and justice. But the question arises, what happens when the formal or informal distribution of power does not honor or establish patterns that sustain the system? Power can be unbalanced when privilege goes to only a few who constrain the power and involvement of others. Define privilege in a generative system. To understand that concept in a complex system, let's explore privilege in a way that goes beyond tradition. Dictionary.com defines privilege as a right, immunity or benefit enjoyed only by a person beyond the advantages of most. In HSD, we agree with that definition and we further embellish it by talking about influence and access. The more privileged people have, the more influence or say they have in decisions and situations that affect them and others. Individuals and groups with more privilege have greater access to the opportunities and benefits offered in the community. When we consider the dynamics of human systems, we think of privilege at the local level as being highly context specific. In a matriarchal family, the mother might be privileged in her ability to make more decisions or to direct other family members access to the resources in the system. Teachers by nature of their training and accountabilities have a level of privilege in the classroom not available to students. Clothing designers have privilege in setting the cultural expectations about dress and fashion from one year to the next. Ministers are privileged often as leaders in their respective worship communities. In these instances and others, privilege does not have to carry a connotation of naughty or nice. In each of those roles, there are situations where it makes sense for these individuals or roles to carry more influence simply by nature of their accountabilities responsibilities, and experiences. What matters, what creates the naughty or nice impact is less about the degree of privilege and more about the use of that privilege to shape the patterns in three areas of community life. First, those who have privilege provide access and influence to those with less privilege. In generative communities, Everyone has access to shape or influence patterns of behavior and interaction across the whole. Rules and expectations are publicly known and discussed. Individuals and groups across the system have a venue to express their support or lack of support for those rules, to debate the differences, and to engage in democratic process to change them. Secondly, constraints that define acceptable patterns of behavior and interaction are designed to ensure the coherence and resilience of the greater whole and not merely to further privilege a dominant culture. In generative communities, rules and expectations are about ensuring the safety and productivity of the whole community. They are established to support the rule of law that holds everyone accountable for the health and well-being of the greater community. Rules or expectations that arbitrarily set one group apart or that protect one group over another are not generative. Lastly, the constraints that define acceptable patterns of behavior and interaction are equally applied to all members of the community. In generative communities, rules and expectations are set for everyone. Regardless of differences, No individual or group is above the law. All members of the community are held accountable to obey the laws that are set to protect the safety and integrity of the whole community. When privilege is used to create a dominant culture that excludes or ignores some members of the community, those with privilege accrue more power and influence. They shut down avenues of influence and voice. They define the identity of the whole. They set patterns of engagement that are not generative. In generative communities, privilege is granted to different roles in many areas of the system to maintain the safety and effective functioning of the greater whole. That privilege is not about color or gender or money or intimidation. That kind of privilege is about being accountable to the whole community. In generative communities, people with any level of privilege continue to engage with others, listening, sharing, and balancing power. The identity of the whole is a shared agreement. All members have access to influence others, and they allow others to influence them. The decisions they make and the actions they take focus on what is good for the whole system. Use of privilege in your community. In HSD, we consider a hierarchy of impact that helps us both understand levels of constraint resulting from ways privilege is used in a system and to identify actions that can shift its negative impacts toward generative collaboration. Collaboration is when privilege is derived across the system through responsibility, accountability, and experience to ensure a fair contribution of assets for all, as well as equal access and participation in decision-making and action in the larger community. Depression is privilege of the dominant culture used to weaken or dull the assets, access, or participation of select members of the community. Repression is privilege of the dominant culture used to keep others under control by informally constraining their assets, access, or participation in the larger community. Suppression is privilege of the dominant culture used to put an end to others' assets, access, or participation in the larger community through legislation of particular laws or rules. Oppression is privilege of the dominant culture, which uses cruel or unjust legislation and punishment to control others' assets, access, or participation in the larger community. The following example comes from my own experience as a first-year teacher in 1977. I worked in a school where about 80% of the students were migrant families from Mexico who moved across the U.S. to pursue work. By district practice and social tradition, the school staff ignored and devalued the culture of those children by ignoring it. In our privilege as the educators within the dominant culture, we did not recognize the possibility or viability of different cultural values, celebrations, or language. We depressed their culture by acting as though it was not worth talking about. Beyond the general depression of their culture, school policy and practice went to the next level to deal with language differences. While we ignored their culture, we didn't ignore the language of these children. We repressed their language by actively discouraging them from speaking Spanish at school and by telling them in many ways that English was the preferred, better language. No records or school forms were provided in Spanish. No books in the library were written in Spanish. There were no literary or positive role models about people who spoke Spanish when telling them they couldn't speak their home language did not stop their use of Spanish at school, we suppressed their language by creating rules about where and when they could speak Spanish. They could speak Spanish anywhere, anytime, except when they were at school. We had rules. And as a teacher in that school, I was expected to enforce them. Finally, When kids broke our rules about speaking Spanish at school, they were to be punished in some way with detention, being sent to the office, having a note sent home written in English, or by various forms of isolation. We created an oppressive culture for children simply because of the language they learned at birth and spoke in their homes. In 1977, That was the norm in our larger community. The dominant white English-speaking culture set rules that prevented generative engagements for these children in the classrooms where they came to learn. Begin a dialogue about privilege. This blog offers a tool you can use to inform self-reflection about privilege in your personal practice or in your communities or organizations. Use it to consider your own community or system at any scale, your family, neighborhood, organizations, and the larger community. Use this tool to begin a new dialogue about how privilege is earned and assigned in your community. Engage in open dialogue about the sources of privilege in your community. Come together to explore roles, responsibilities, and accountabilities to set conditions for patterns that ensure the system is generative and adaptive in the complex challenges of today's landscape. Will your community be perfect? That's not likely. Will those who have system-wide responsibility and accountability make the best choices every time? They probably won't. Will people throughout the community always adhere to the generative expectations and aspirations of the whole? You can be certain they won't. Living and working in a generative system is not static. It is a situation where individuals make choices about their own behavior and those choices either move toward a more generative system or they don't. The best insurance you can create to support a generative community is to maintain an open dialogue about privilege and how it can be and is used to support patterns of collaboration and transparency. Start exploring these ideas with those around you, regardless of where you stand in the community. Continue to draw others into your dialogue, inviting a wider, more inclusive exploration of these ideas. Support each other in working toward a more generative way of being in community. Stay in touch and let us know how your conversations progress. That is the blog written by Royce Holliday and Mary Nations in July 2017, entitled Generative Engagement Balance of Power. Stay with me for another conversation about how I experienced a form of depression and repression, and how it limited my identity, voice, and power. This conversation around generative engagement is taking me down memory lane with an immense amount of gratitude. I am extremely grateful to have an opportunity to work in an environment where I'm able to show up as myself every day and be treated and respected as a leader. I'm visible and I have an identity. I'm also grateful that my input, my feedback, and my contributions are requested on a daily basis on the things that make a difference. I have a voice. I'm also grateful that I'm able to shift and transform things that help to move the needle forward every single day. I have power. I'm able to be seen, heard, and felt. And that's an amazing feeling. But it's a major contrast to where I was 11 years ago. I took a new role that I was really excited about. I planned so many big things and wanted to dive in with deep engagement. Unfortunately, the conditions for that were not available for me. I had no identity, no voice, and no power, and no one cared. When I looked around the other folks in the office who did not look like me, they had everything I didn't have, the opportunity to have an identity. To have voice and to have power, and they thrived. In fact, it was expected for them, but not for me. It was a shocking experience and the most hurtful and disappointing I've ever had in a work environment. Of course, I was totally disengaged. I felt like I was drowning when I came into work every single day, and in fact, I did. I made a promise to myself when I left that place over three years later that every time I had an opportunity to shape conditions, I was going to do just that. And I have. I really had two choices in that role I could either remain a disengaged and bitter individual, or I could do something about it. And I chose the latter. And it's something that I am very proud of. And I will continue to do so for the rest of my life. Identity, voice, and power matter. They make a difference. In my situation, being a person of color who had not had identity, voice, and power, not just in that situation, but in others. If it were not for HSD you wouldn't be hearing my voice now. It's because of the theory, the things that they teach that attracted me to it. And being in this community where I am welcomed, where I am seen, heard, and felt, where I can participate just like everyone else, has helped to heal some of the painful things that I experienced in that office where I had no identity, voice, and power. HSD is a powerful theory, and it has powerful tools, methods, and techniques that can be used to help you heal the things that have been problematic and painful in your life. I ask you to look around at the things in your world, your identity, voice, and power. Is it available to you? And not just you, because it's not just about us. What about the other people in your world? Does everyone have that same opportunity? Does identity, voice, and power come standard? And if it doesn't, why doesn't it? What can you do to begin to shift those things? No matter what situation you're in, if your goal is to have generative engagement, all of those things must be in place for every single person involved. If it's not, you end up having those painful, emotional feelings of withdrawal, not being engaged, not wanting to participate. And those things can linger on well beyond that one experience. Try HSD. The what, so what, and now what experience is transformative. It changed my world, and I know that it can change yours too. In our next episode, we're going to continue our discussion of generative engagement, but this time we're going to focus on how to leverage dynamics of interaction.